Uh, my name is James. And I'm Matt. And we're, we're talking, talking about games these days. Um, and the game in particular we're talking about is Salt and Sanctuary. Yeah. Um, it's a 2D Metroidvania Souls-like kind of mashup. Do you think it's a Souls-like or a Souls-like? Uh, Souls-like? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I, to be perfectly honest, the, the clarification between um, roguelike and roguelite is pretty foggy for me, so I, I don't know. <laughs> right? I, I don't know. I, I really don't know where I would draw the line either. Uh, other than, I mean, like, light must mean that it's less... So yeah, I guess. Like, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. Well, maybe we'll fall on the side of like then for this one because it it is pretty close. Traffics pretty heavily in in Dark Souls mechanics in some pretty key ways. Yeah. yeah. was made by a group called Ska Studios. Yep. Uh, which is actually a husband and wife team. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, they also do all the music. Yeah. Which is kind of a cool thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's actually a surprising output for like a two-person team. Yeah. The Dishwasher was the other game that I recognized that they had put out. Yeah, they've done a couple of uh, sort of like side-scrolling beat-em-ups that were released on Xbox Live Arcade. Mm-hmm. Charlie Anarchy or something like Charlie that. Charlie Murder. Charlie Murder. Like yeah, yeah. yeah uh, which is a similar kind of thing. Yeah, it carries with it a very like early two thousands, uh, like new like grounds flash game. Yeah, yeah. Kind that's of exactly that. what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, even like the animation mm-hmm. uh, feels a little bit like like you're watching puppets. Yeah, like you can see where the joints are. Right. And yeah. everything looks a little bit flat. They're very like rigidly articulated like that. Right. I just uh, I noted that so this was released uh, a few years ago in 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dark Souls three also came out that year. Very very soon after. Yeah. And what's interesting is that they share very similar uh, sort of like plot. And oh, yeah. setting mechanics in a way that I think is really interesting. Because clearly, I mean, they were both informed by Dark Souls right. development games. Mm-hmm. And probably, uh, what's it, Bloodborne. Bloodborne, yeah. Bloodborne had come out at this point. The The popular term to use now is Soulsborne. Soulsborne? Yes. Okay. <laughs> to, for, for that whole group? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, we also got Hyperlight Drifter. Uh-huh. Uh, and The Witness, okay. and uh, Inside, which is that sequel to Limbo. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, so it, a good spread of yeah. things came out. I'd say so. Let's talk about the setting. Let's talk about the setting. It's, it's a setting. So What's the setting? <laughs> I think, I want to say technically it's high fantasy. Uh, yeah. Because there are like, there's elves, there's uh-huh. little goblin creatures, there's undead, 
there's uh, there's gods, there's magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, there doesn't seem like a lot of technology past like crossbows. There's guns. Oh, are there? I think so. I think there's like really basic oh. uh, like flintlock pistols or yeah. Yeah. But yeah. other than that, there isn't really like technology. Technology. Yeah. There's no robots. There's no, no. computers. There's no phones. No. No lights. Uh, no motor cars. Not a single, single luxury. luxury. <laughs> uh, and it's that I think it's it's aping is probably a mean word for it, but it's it's a takeoff from Souls's setting. Yeah, like definitely. It's, it has fantasy elements, but everything is extremely like broken down and gritty. Yes, um, and then specifically talking about the setting of the game, um, he, it takes place on an island, mm-hmm. ostensibly. Uh, that's kind of. If, if you care to delve into the lore, um, is kind of pieced together from other famous or notable locations in the game world. Oh. Um, so each individual stage um, is is supposed to be like a, a like a special area from that's been like sort of pulled in okay. from another part of the world. Oh, I guess I didn't realize that. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It, you, there's really no reason for you to know that. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is funny because that's, I mean, that's like the story of Dark Souls 3 is like at the end oh. of the world, um, all of these like famous notable locations are sort of mishmashed together. Gotcha. Um, because of Lords of Cinder, blah, huh. blah. Uh, and I would say, I would almost say that that is sort of a classic setting at this point. Yeah. I don't know when sort of like gritty fantasy became like an established thing, but it definitely is at this point. Yeah. And, and specifically, like this game really traffics hard in that sort of like dark, gritty, like this is a place where terrible people did terrible things right. kind of setting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where like the, the repercussions and echoes of that are still yeah. here. Um, I... I feel like the first thing that comes to mind for, like, earlier incarnations of that setting would be, like, the Blood Omen games. Yeah. They have sure. kind of a similar approach, especially, like, after the whole pillars are broken and everything's right. fallen into darkness. Yeah. Like, similar level of technology, even, mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah, that's true. And especially over, I mean, I feel like that series in general, you know, is kind of about what happens when you make choices. You yeah. know, like... Kane being sort of a central like decision maker for the world kind yes. of, you know. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Yeah. story what about the story is there a story (laughs) there i mean yes but so in keeping with the way that this game um hews pretty close to dark souls it also tells its story in a very similar way to the way that dark souls does yeah which is to keep story mostly out of the gameplay experience Mm -hmm. and and let it be something that if the player wants to engage with it they are free to do that right uh mostly apparent through either uh like bestiary descriptions Mm -hmm. or item descriptions yeah (laughs) Uh, but the, the basic plot setup is your character is hired to escort a princess 
um, to another country to sort of like have a arranged marriage to end a war. Mm-hmm. En route, you are attacked by pirates um, and a giant sea monster, Cthulhu monster. Yeah. Um, and then you get shipwrecked on this island. Right. Um, and as you progress through the game, I don't know how far you got in it, um, but it through dialogue, um, you kind of come to realize that people, uh, Saltborn, uh, <laughs> that are drawn to the island all have come there under sort of similar false pretenses. Um, the thief thought that they were uh, escorting a nobleman, and later he finds that he's been, like, branded a slave. Uh-huh. Um, so the the island collects people, essentially. Okay. Um, like ant colony? Yeah, kind <laughs> of. Um, and then at the very end of the game, um, you can either choose to become the new Nameless God huh? or escape the island, maybe. Okay. That's pretty good. In keeping with the sort of Dark Souls, like, two-ending sort of choice. Right. Do you you change things or do you repeat the cycle? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you keep the status quo or do you break away? Right. Although I would say, and this is just my opinion, that I think it's not as thematically taught as, like, Dark Souls. Yeah. I feel like there's less of that thematic focus there what about what about like characters in the story um so i mean your main character is nothing right he's just a blank slate yeah he's an avatar is is he actually even a uh silent protagonist yes definitely okay um they're they're in the same vein as dark souls Um, they're npcs (laughs) that you'll come across um that will you know, talk to you and essentially move on. Mm-hmm. And the way that you progress those stories is by meeting them in different locations and talking to them right. until they eventually get to the end of their story. And in some ways, the NPCs struck me as, like, they're they're part of the world in a way that you're not. Yes. Like, your character is just sort of floating through things, trying to figure out whatever. Yeah. Whereas they actually seem like they have a place I didn't get too far in many of the NPC stories, so I don't know like how they are in comparison. But I didn't feel like super engaged in them. Yeah, so there isn't there isn't really like character growth or like drama. Not know? not really in the in the way that we typically think of in video games. Yeah. As a person who is a big fan of like the Dark Souls series and not a big fan of this game. I'm not really sure how to articulate how the NPCs work in Dark Souls and don't work in this one. Yeah. But I feel like they're much farther spaced out. They don't as much seem to have, like, an engaging, like, hook to their plot. In this game. In this game. Yeah. Like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's, that's kind of how I felt, too, is that I think just a lot of the times... I wasn't sure if there was anything I should be paying attention to in the story. Yeah. You know, so, like, I would read the dialogue and I'd be like, oh, that that seems interesting. But, like, it wouldn't really have any impact on what happened next in the game. Yeah. So, yeah, you just kind of forget about it. And that kind of teaches you to just kind of skip through it because it's it's clearly not essential. I noticed that a lot of times the dialogue basically got used as interface. Mm. Like... They, you know, you, you don't really need the blacksmith to say, hey, do you need to buy a thing? You don't yeah. really need your, like, 
you're like, uh, who's the guy you check in with your cult to do quests? Oh, you're the leader or whatever. Yeah. Uh, like, you almost don't really need to have any actual written word dialogue with those mm-hmm. people. So I was kind of thinking it would have been interesting to not have any dialogue. Mm. So, like, in, in the way that, like, Hyperlight Drifter, you would occasionally meet people and, like, you couldn't even, like, maybe you didn't speak the same language or uh-huh. you wouldn't talk. Like, you'd just see a few sort of, like, scenes of awkward interactions with them and then you would go your own ways. But, like, that was still really effective storytelling. Yeah. Uh, it would have been cool to see something like that applied here because what we got was just kind of stuff that felt like it wasn't that connected and not that engaging. Yeah. So the the kind of boilerplate explanation for why um, Dark Souls games do use that kind of narrative um, storytelling device is because the director um, used to uh, read books in English as a kid, but he didn't yeah. know English. <laughs> yeah. So essentially all he could do was like look at the pictures and kind of pick up from that. Interesting. And, and that narrative idea is coming from like a personal place for him. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like it comes across a lot better Whereas somebody trying to do that maybe doesn't do it as well. I think it just that's a really good point. Feels like I don't know vagueness for vagueness' sake. Right. Yeah. Like it's it's following suit because it's been established by that genre. Right. Not because it's an actual effective tool at that point in the game. Yeah. And actually, I think that 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 makes a lot of sense to me. So I've I've played all the Dark Souls games. I haven't beat any of them because I gave up because I rage quit. <laughs> like <them>. Yes, <laughs> they make me angry. Um, but yeah, actually, hearing you describe his approach to character interactions as like looking at pictures in a book and not being able to read the words uh-huh. actually makes a lot of sense because the way that you do encounter characters in the world is usually framed in these little almost like light box or like shadow box experiences uh-huh. where like you have the setting and they're there and you can sort of tell by their posture and their design and they're placing the environment like a little bit about what's going on. Yeah. And then like, yeah, maybe you have a couple lines of dialogue, but yeah, there it's almost like little set pieces mm-hmm. that you get to like relax in for a second before moving on to the next thing. Yeah. And this game did not do that effectively. No, I don't think so. Which brings us quickly into the mechanics. Yes. Um, of which there are many. Yeah. Uh, well, what about just uh, like controls to start out with? I think it controls pretty well. I think I think it definitely controls better than I'm used to in Souls-like games. Do you think that's specifically because the attack buttons aren't on the shoulders? I'm sure that helps a lot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, basically, just to review real quick. You have like light attack, heavy attack, uh-huh. you can jump, you can roll, you can, oh, that is roll, dodge. Yeah. Uh, you can hold up your shield to block, mm-hmm. and you can use an item. And you can parry. And you can parry, that's right. Yeah. Uh, which I probably didn't do enough of, but. I, first of all, I think the parrying is a lot easier in this game than it is in Dark Souls games, which yeah. is uh, nice. Yeah. Um, also, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, you can parry with any weapon. I think you're as right. As long as you're holding it 
without a shield. You can also block with any weapon. Mm -hmm. Which is cool. Yes. Um, that's a nice addition. I do appreciate that. Um, and this has slightly more like brawler feeling combat mm -hmm. in it. So you have those classic like two light hat attacks and a heavy attack like pops up your enemy. Yeah. Or like, you know, three light attacks and a heavy attack is like a strong knockback hit. Yeah. Like, and you can kind of, since it has a stamina system too, because mm -hmm. it is Souls-like. Right. Uh, which basically everything impacts, right? If yes. you attack, if you roll, if you jump, if you block, if mm -hmm. you parry... Yeah. You I think it a takes little a little bit. bit of stamina to parry, yeah. Yeah. So you do, all, you, you do always have to be thinking like, okay, you know, do I press my luck and try to get right. one more quick attack and maybe not have enough stamina left to block afterwards, that yeah. sort of thing. Uh, so that's, that's interesting. Uh, I like I like the idea of the combat mm -hmm. a little more than I like. I mean, the actual combat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it I felt like the controls were still not really as tight as I wanted mm -hmm. them to be. Okay. For how punishing the game is. Yeah. Uh, and like, flying enemies were really. Oh, annoying. the worst! <laughs> They're absolutely the worst. There, there's a lot of enemies, like an irresponsible number of enemies that will attack you and then fly off <laughs> yeah. the screen. And, like, especially then if there's, like, three of them, maybe, mm -hmm. that come after you, and then they all disappear off the screen, and now you there's nothing for you to do but wait until right. they come back and hope that the way your weapon attacks will allow you to hit them effectively. Yeah, and the, and the one thing that's a little bit uh, rougher on this game that isn't um, so much an issue with uh, Souls games is enemies aren't tethered. Yeah. So as long as you are in their sight line, they will follow you. Yeah. Even in between seat, uh, like screens. Yes. Infuriatingly. Which is especially a problem with flying en enemies. Especially, did you uh, get to the place with the flaming skulls? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Those things are the worst. Yeah. Because uh, they'll <laughs> like fly by you, hit you, set you on fire, which does gradual damage, and then leave. Yeah. And then come back and do it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really bad. Yeah. And there's there's enemies that, you know, they, they do a lot of damage in one hit or whatever. Maybe uh -huh. you can avoid them most of the time. Yeah. But you can get to a point where you've walked in between scenes. So now you're right next to a doorway and you can't see anything past that doorway. Yeah. But they can see you through the doorway uh -huh. and they're definitely going to attack you through it. There's yeah. nothing you can do to expect that. Yeah. That caught me a few times. Another thing that... I don't know if it's on purpose, like if it's supposed to be like a strategical measure or if it's on, it's just like a quirk of the programming. Um, but especially with larger enemies, especially with bosses, mm -hmm. it seemed like a lot of times with like melee attacks, you, there were times that you could be like right flesh up against the like enemy model yeah and since you don't take any sort of touching damage your character model is close enough that their attack animation doesn't like hit your hitboxes yeah um which isn't necessarily an issue but it did feel maybe like a bug or an exploit right in a weird way it's definitely unexpected yeah like the you wouldn't think that you could get away with it mm-hmm 
Uh, and really on a similar note, there's a few different guys where even though I'd gotten right up against them and then rolled past them, yeah, they no. still had some sort of attack that swept back far enough that it would still hit me. Or you just can't. There, there are enemies that you can roll through and enemies yeah, that you ones just you can't. can't. And that's pretty weird, too. Yeah. Because that's the thing. In, in a 3D space in, in Souls, you can always roll around, around them for the most yeah, part. Definitely. Uh, but in this one, yeah, there was some times where you just couldn't roll past them. Yeah. Which makes things uh, difficult. Yes. But in general, I feel like the game... Oh, the other thing that I really ran into was uh, the thing... Uh, that makes this a little bit different is you can also mantle. So you can oh, hang yeah. on to things and pull yourself up. Which I appreciate. I appreciate unreliably. I know. that That is the one <laughs> thing about it, is that, again, like, I, I think one of the reasons that these games are so frustrating for me, and we'll probably talk about a little bit more later, but because they're so punishing and the stakes are so high, anytime the smallest little thing goes wrong, it's a travesty. Yeah. Like, you just can't bear the fact that somehow <laughs> you missed that jump. Well, and now you're dead. And, you know, all things being equal, I could accept, like, I I didn't fight that enemy right, yeah. or I did a bad job at that boss. Right. Sure, that's right. fine, that's my fault. Yeah. But, like, I couldn't grab onto that level geometry this one specific time. Like, that's <laughs> no good. Yeah, that's... I think that's um, that's something that's essential in precise platformers. Yeah, uh, it's something that like like Meat Boy understood. Yeah, like very very precise responsive controls, so that yes, it asks a lot of you, but at least you feel like it's treating you fairly. Right. Uh, whereas I don't feel like the controls always treated you fairly, and the hitboxes. Yeah. Yeah, there's a and few even, of that. Like, even if you were only missing ledges, like, let's say, 10% of the time. So 90% of the time, yeah. a majority, you can pull yourself up, no problem. Yeah. Like, that 10% is so frustrating. Yeah. And it's always going to present itself in a deadly situation. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, like, it's never... It's, it's, <laughs> there's never no consequences for right. that happening. <laughs> I think the UI is really good, um, except for, um, and I don't know if you played around with magic characters at all. I didn't. Okay. Um, so you've got your health bar, you've got your stamina bar, and then this little tiny thing <laughs> that's definitely a bar, but looks like it might just be like, oh, like decoration, decoration. <laughs> um, that's your like focus meter, which is like your magic meter, okay. um, but it's really small, um, mm -hmm. like... Much smaller than both health and stamina, and yeah. I don't know why that is. Huh. Um, but everything else is pretty clear, pretty easy to read. Yeah. I would say that, like, the information that it does present to you, it does a pretty good job of showing you. Yeah. Uh, there, I, I, I had a few little gripes. So, it's interesting. In the process of, of recording these podcasts, uh -huh. I've definitely come to hold up certain games as, like, pair like exemplars of good game design in some uh -huh. areas so like it is tough for any game to match diablo 3 for how it displays your stats uh -huh. what the consequences of changing your abilities your equipment will be yeah and telling you like if you did 64 damage to that enemy it will tell you exactly 
how you did each little bit of that damage, yeah. what was affected by defense, what was affected by your attack speed versus your strength, like uh-huh. all that stuff is just rigorously defined. Yeah. This game doesn't do that, which is sort of in the tradition of the Souls games, right? Yeah, and unfortunately, um, if we're specifically talking about like attack and defense stats, things that are not elemental damage are much harder to define. Yeah. So you've got individual like strike... Uh, like probably strike thrust and like slash, slash think, or something yeah. damn like defense stats right and armor will affect that but at any given moment what are you like trying to defend at yeah will change and it's hard to sort of piece together what that means for yeah. your defense as a whole and it feels it feels hard to get like, you just sort of get a general feel yeah. for how well your equipment and skills are set up. You don't really get numbers. Yeah. Well, to not... To really, like, strictly make... Not numbers that really mean anything Yeah. in a tangible way. Yeah. Um, like, you know, obviously you can look at your, you know, attack. Right. And say, this weapon does 10 damage... And this weapon does five damage. The ten damage weapon is probably twice as much. going to be better. Right. Although it definitely isn't that simple. No. Oh, um, like weapon damage scaling according to skills. Yes. Is kind of an example of that. Like it gives you the what is now the traditional approach, which uh-huh. is A B C D E whatever. Right. But that doesn't actually tell you what that means. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, well, that doesn't really bother me because it gives me at least an idea of the difference between, you know, an A-scaling weapon and a D-scaling weapon. Right. Um, you know, it was obviously pretty great. The The tricky part, and I don't know that I ran into any weapons like that in this game, but they're definitely in Dark Souls, is weapons that um, have two different things they scale to. Yeah. And what that means for the damage bonus, um, for a couple of the Dark Souls games, strength, Scaling is a higher scale than dexterity oh, scaling. Like there's a just, priority system? Uh, yeah, just like the percentage, like what an, you oh. know, A scale. Well, the A doesn't mean the same thing right. different stats? Yeah. Um, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Awful. Uh, so, you know, uh, an actual percentage number probably would be the more efficient way to do that. It would be. Well, not even just efficient. It would be, it would tell you something. Right. (laughs) The weight is, I feel kind of the same way about, like, at least I figured out that you can click the thumbstick to toggle the showing the percentage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of having to have a calculator open all the time. (laughs) Right. Uh, But I think I complained to you at the time, too. Like, if I didn't know that in Souls games your weight percentage affected your roll and recovery time, then how would I ever know that except by accident? Yeah, and that's kind of... I mean, again, like, there's no... almost no onboarding in this game. Like, you have to come to it either being familiar with Souls mechanics or being willing to do some, some wiki diving. Yeah. And we'll get more into it later, but... I think that's actually one of the things I end up resenting most about it is that, like, is that that approach is also applied to the Metroidvania elements of it. Yeah. Which is the complete opposite of what I think a good Metroidvania right. should be. Right. Which actually gives a player a lot of information and sort of lets them come to their own conclusions. Mm-hmm. Doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's, sure. That is a weird sort of like conflict yeah. that's, that's inherent in this genre mashup. And I think we should talk about it probably in the summary, but yeah. I'd like to hear what your thoughts on this game versus um, Hollow Knight. Hollow Knight, yeah. Yeah, good, because I really want to talk about <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So, specific mechanics. Yeah. Um, you've got your sort of standard equipment layout. You've got, uh, like, lower um, armor, uh, gloves, hat. You can have... Chest piece. Oh, yeah. Chest so. piece. Right. Um, and then four rings. Yep. Um, you have a two-weapon loadout, I think? Two different weapon loadouts. Where you can wield one weapon and a shield, or... One weapon and an offhand. Okay. Right. Uh, plus a weapon talisman. Yes. Which I actually really like that. Yeah, that, that's kind of cool. They're like um, little charms that sort of augment or increase certain things about your weapon. So, like, extra damage, extra poison buildup, extra... Mm-hmm. What? Extra reach, yeah. which is kind of cool. Yeah, that one was interesting. Uh, and the one that you can hook on to the end of your weapon that provides light. Yes. So, yeah. you can't hit as hard, but you can see things. Right. <laughs> which means you don't have to pull out a torch, which yes. takes up an offhand slot. Right. Um, and then you have a belt of, I want to say, like, eight quick, yeah. quick items. You can cycle through. And then eight quick spells yeah. that you can do the same thing with. And just storage slots in your inventory. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's sort of a breakdown between light and heavy armor. Yes. With sort of the effects that you might expect. Light is fast and weak. Right. Heavy is strong and slow. Right. <laughs> I feel like all of the equipment is way too heavy. Yeah. I usually just wore, like, the blacksmith outfit. Me too. So I mostly just stuck to that because the extra attack was nice. You take so much damage anyway that, like, armor actually isn't going to help you. Like, you need to avoid the damage. Right. Yeah, you're better served by being able to either block efficiently or roll through damage than you are trying to tank it. Yes. That was Um, my experience as well. And that is kind of the, the tradition with those Souls games. Yes, true. The next thing that is also very Dark Soulsy is the Creed's. Yeah. Uh, which kind of take place of, um, oh gosh, what are they called? Cults. Covenants. Covenants, yes. And uh, <laughs> Dark Souls. Creeds are weird in this game. I don't think I like them. I like the, it's another, I like the idea so much. Like, the idea that you, you're introduced to these different creeds, uh-huh. you get to pick one yeah. that sort of fits the build you want to do. And then as you complete quests for that creed, it gives you access to special items mm-hmm. that are refreshed along with yes. whatever we're calling the Estus in this game. Right. I really like that system, but typically it's hidden away from you so you can't make like smart, informed decisions about right. it. You have to do it haphazardly and hope it works out. Yeah.
Um, so in this game, uh, the way that it works is after you get through like the prologue section, you just talk to a guy on the beach, and he's like, "Oh, do you believe in gods?" <laughs> and you're like, "I don't know." And then he like cycles three through like I think four of them. Yeah. So there's the three. There's Devara. There's the mountain people, and then there's like the wood people. Yeah. Um, but you don't really have a good idea for what um, that what the impact of choosing one over the other is. No, not at all. And also, you can be like, un, I think you can choose to not have a creed. Right, which is what I chose. Yeah. How do you, if you don't have a creed, how do you access the first sanctuary? You still get an icon. Oh. You just have the no creed thing. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty funny. Um, Oh, man. Can we talk for a moment about how how accessing sanctuaries works? Sure. So when you walk into a unclaimed sanctuary, there's a pedestal in the middle. You carry around icons for all these different creeds, and you can place one on the pedestal, claiming it for that creed. Yes. Unfortunately... That's not anything as easy as, like, you walk up to it, press a button, and then select the one you want to put there. You actually have to go into your inventory, move that icon into your quick items, Uh which takes an item you actually want to use out of it, go back out to the game, press the use button to use it there, and then remember to take it back out of the game because it's never going to help you. Right. Uh, I kind of expected maybe to come across, like, one or two... Or, like, a few that were, like, already claimed. Yeah. But the game kind of sets you up to believe that every time you come to a sanctuary, it's going to be unclaimed. Yeah. Um, and, like, for a majority of the f- first chunk of the game, all you find are claimed sanctuaries. Yeah. Which is maybe, maybe giving the benef- benefit of the doubt, like, to the developers, like, supposed to be sort of, like, a preview of what you could have chosen, like if you feel like you chose the wrong thing and wanted to switch. Yeah, I think that's fair. But there are consequences. Right, and it prevents you from making those interesting decisions. Right. If you um, if you change your creed, uh, you become an apostate to uh-huh. your previous creed. Right. Which means anytime you enter what used to be a frank, friendly sanctuary is no longer. Right. You can't do anything with it. No, the the people will refuse to interact with you, mostly. Um, And then the only way to reverse that is to talk to a specific NPC that's in one place in the whole entire game. It's way the fuck away from everything else. Um, You might completely miss. Yeah. And And it probably costs a resource to do it, too. It costs salt. Yeah. Which is the resource that is your soul. Right, That's what you use to level up with. Yeah, so that's great. (laughs) Yeah, I don't... And then, like, I think the idea of, like, so the other part of it is um, you find, like, statues or icons around um, the game. And if you bring them back to the sanctuary, you can offer them, and it'll essentially summon in uh, NPCs that'll hang out there. So you've got, like, a blacksmith, a merchant, a leader character, um, like, a fast-travel guy, and then um, the alchemist who does transmutation. Right. Which is cool, but then, like, I feel like I'm really stacking one sanctuary right. to be particularly useful. Right. And I'm always going to be going back to that one. Right, which means that one should probably always have the teleport guy. Right. Because you need that to get back to it. Yeah. And you can you can pick maybe 
like six or seven or eight different statue types that you can find, but your sanctuary can only fit four of them. Right. Uh, so you do, again, like, your decisions matter here, but you don't know enough starting off to make those decisions. Right. I don't even think you can take those decisions back. No, you can't There's no can't way to respect your sanctuary at no. all that I can tell. Um, yeah, so, like, it sort of presents the possibility, and again, like, this is going to be a recurrent theme of things that I, I that frustrate me about this game, is it sort of, like, it comes up with a cool idea and shows you that there are cool, like, interesting choices to be made, uh-huh. but then it prevents you from doing that effectively. Yeah. yeah. And even down to, like, each creed has a different healing item yeah that articulates in very like different ways yeah but you have no idea what that what that actually is right even through testing so like if you went through and you like because they all heal you right but some of them like confer specific buffs right uh and like the the what the items that it gives you uh are sort of thematic with that and that matters too like especially which we'll probably talk about later, the ones that give you elemental yes. damage. Yes. And on top of that, there are three um, like hidden creeds that you can access later in the game. Mm. One of those is the magic creed. Oh. That like gives you all the high-level spells and stuff. Okay. So if you're a mage... <laughs> sorry. How late in the game? Uh, I'm trying to remember if I actually came across it. Oh. It feels like maybe more than halfway through. Huh. Like, you can still summon in, like, a mage NPC that'll come and sell you spells. Right. But they won't be the best spells. Interesting. As opposed to, like, if you're doing, like, a a miracle build, Mm -hmm. you can just get a cleric. Oh. And I'm sure there is also a based around it that you can access from the beginning. Yeah, probably. So, <laughs> great. Huh, yeah. Yeah, that's like, <laughs> like weird. Like, why do that? Right. Like, what's the what's the point? Talk about the sphere grid? Yes, the skill tree. <laughs> yeah. Not a fan. No. <laughs> I liked the idea that you have stuff that's sort of grouped geographically, and what class you are defines where you start, yeah. and then you can sort of go out from there, but you can choose to sort of like cross over into an adjacent you know, uh-huh. area to sort of dual class. I like that idea, but... This game didn't do a great job of implementing it. No. (laughs) So, like, in the case of the sphere grid, or maybe, like, the license system Mm -hmm. would be a similar idea. Yeah. Is each character has a specific quadrant. Right. And all of the things that are important to that character are in that quadrant. Yes. And then once you get out of that, then you have your chance to... You know, sort of mix and match or swap over to other people's Yeah, yeah. You can basically min-max. You can double down on exactly what your class does by taking bits of helpful stuff from other people. Or you can sort of 50-50 it. Right. And be like, oh, like, I'm also good as a healer now. But this game, 
the skill tree is a very literal tree. Yeah. Um, so each different branch off of it is sort of oriented to a specific class. Mm-hmm. But what that means is if I want to use, let's say, light armor, and I also want to use, like, two-handed swords, those spots are on completely opposite sides of the skill yeah. tree. And the further you go towards one, the less progress you're making towards on the yours. other. yours. Whereas, like, I don't know, probably, like, rapiers and spears are closer. Yeah. De- Dexterity-oriented weapons as opposed to strength. Right. Which means that you... That, that multi-class builds are a lot less viable, mm-hmm. or they take longer to be viable. Yeah. Um, I think I, I, I my note for this was that it's not so much the hit, that the class system rewards specialization as it punishes generalization. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is especially weird because, I mean, I just played maybe from the beginning to the first boss with a mage. Yeah. But what I could tell immediately from looking at the mage skill tree is all it does is magic. Yeah. Yeah. But you, these games and this game are hard to play as a pure magic build. Right. So you're going to want to put a little bit of points into a weapon. Yeah. You're going to want to put a little bit of points into an armor type. Right. But if you're doing that... For survivability's sake, yeah. you're not putting points into your magic. So your right. magic's not getting better. Yeah. And specifically because of the way that um, weapons, armor, and magic is limited by ranking, mm-hmm. um, it just it just really like cuts you off from doing interesting things with a character. Yeah, yeah it does. It, it limits your options so that you're making less interesting decisions. Yeah. And I feel like it doesn't work the opposite way. Like, if you're playing a dex class, you don't have any reason to go to the magic area, right? right? Unless, you know, you specifically wanted to play around with spells. Yeah. Um, One thing that I noticed, so I didn't actually do the magic or miracle path, Mm -hmm. but it occurred to me that when when you're upgrading your, like, your strength or your dex guys, Mm -hmm. um, you are upgrading into proficiency unlocks for weapon types. Yes. So like if you decide you want to use a whip, you need to unlock that proficiency and you need to have a whip. Right. You need to wield one. Yeah. Um but yeah, even if you find a new a cool new item, you maybe can't use it immediately. You still need to put extra points into that proficiency or even right. if you get that proficiency, even if you have a level 1 spear that you like, Unlocking the level 2 proficiency does nothing for you. Yeah. It doesn't make you any better at level 1 spears. No. You, well, Maybe it gives you one it, point in that stat. It gives you uh, points in that stat equal to the rank of it. Oh, okay. So those at least do get like better as you unlock more ranks. Right. Um, but every new spell or miracle that you unlock is like a new thing you get to do. Yeah. But... Unlocking a new weapon proficiency is not a new thing you get to do. No, it, it doesn't. It doesn't like it doesn't mean the same thing. Yeah, like it doesn't I, I make you a new action that. in the same way. Yeah, that's which true. is kind of unfortunate. It is. And I don't think you ever unlock any abilities except for spells, right? And weapon proficiencies. Yeah, I don't know. I 
there is a like I think you're right. It it really doesn't. It punishes um, experimentation and diversity, which is a disappointing thing for a game that has a lot of items in it. You yeah. know, I mean, like a lot of times I would come across maybe like a whole set because this, of course, is still Dark Souls, so you find things in like whole sets of armor. Right. Um, and like I would find a whole set of class one light armor. Yeah. You know, and it would be better than what I had equipped, but I couldn't equip it because I didn't have the proficiency for yeah. it. And or even if you did, you can't afford the weight. Right. Um, and then like with weapons, it's even worse because you have to have the stats to wield it mm-hmm. on top of the proficiency, the proficiency for, it, for it. And the weapon itself. Yes. Um, whereas in a Dark Souls, like you only have to have the stat requirement. And even then, not necessarily because you can dual wield weapons under requirement. Right, you can two-hand it. Yeah. Yeah. Which I want to say this game gives you some sort of provision for. It's it's weird. So you can double hand any weapon that you have one proficiency above. So if oh, you had a class if you were class three in swords, you could dual wield two, one and zero. I think I mean I didn't pick up on that at all. I think if you're two yeah, I mean it's completely missable. Yeah. Um, if you're two handing a weapon, it probably does more damage. Yes. Maybe has a different move set. Probably has a different move set. Is maybe like more like big slow sweeping moves. It seemed like probably. That's that's an example of something that seems like an interesting choice, but something that it doesn't tell you you can do. Right. And yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that it it really is a lack of build diversity. I feel like. Yeah. Did you bump up against the uh, exhaustion or wounding at all? I... Are, are you talking about the way the, the health... Yes. Okay, so I noticed that. Uh-huh. I couldn't tell why it was happening. I ended up finally <laughs> looking it up. Um, which, again, like, I, I kind of... I'm okay with. I right. just wish I knew about it. Right. <laughs> and, yeah, and, well, like... Talk about what it is first. So, wounding, um, whenever you take damage, block damage, or I think even progress in a level, like how much time you spend in it, maybe. Um, But essentially, it will decrease your HP total to a certain percentage. Right. Um, Which you can only counteract by staying at a sanctuary. Yes. Um, And then exhaustion is the same thing, except for stamina with magic casting. Oh, okay. So it'll... For all every time you cast a spell, it'll decrease your total stamina. Okay. The difference is, is you can use the MP recovery item will fill it all the way up to full. Oh. You don't have to rest in the sanctuary. Do you naturally recover MP or focus or whatever? No. Okay. So stamina is the only one that comes back over time on its own. Yeah. 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 I mean, like the wounding system is interesting. Mm-hmm. And, like, it was very rarely an issue, but right in the beginning, you get a ring, I think, in the Festering Banquet that 
either slows it or like limits it to a certain percentage or something. Yeah. But like, what does that mean? Yeah, you have no idea in the beginning. Right. The only way you'd you'd be able to tell is maybe you have you equip the ring because you don't have any you know like right. rings, and then you notice later on in the game when you unequipped it that your health was getting lower? Yeah, that this thing that you already don't understand how it's happening is happening more. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's a hell of a leap to make. Yeah, it's not great. And especially, like, you know, one of the sort of tensions in these uh, style games is the choice to press on versus returning right. to the sanctuary or right. bonfire or whatever so you can unload your souls and keep going. Right. Like, it's not a bad idea, but it doesn't seem necessary. No, it not only is it not necessary, but I'm not sure it's rewarded. So, like, I actually really like the, like, push-your-luck mechanic. Mm-hmm. I just don't know why you would ever do it in this game. Like, what do well, you get from doing that? You don't have to go back through the level again. <laughs> so, essentially, it punishes you for not doing that, but it also punishes you for risking it. Like, yeah, it's, not, it's not like something like, I don't know, the more the more souls you're currently holding has an impact on the drop rate. Right. Or, like, something like that, you know, <laughs> that, that would be like, well, like, I know I'm already low on health and my, you know, my wound meter is, like, down to halfway, uh-huh. but, like, there is that guy up there and he's kind of hard, but I have, like, you know, I'm like, my rate is up so far that I might get the really rare drop, like, should I risk it? Like, mm. again, like, that's... That's an opportunity for an interesting choice, yeah. as opposed to making the choice between, do I take the time to go all the way back, or do I try to press forward but risk losing everything? Uh-huh. It's not good either way. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I mean, I guess the idea is if you do go back and spend your souls leveling up, then at least the next run through will be a little bit easier because you're stronger. Yeah. And you know the level layout, right. ostensibly. Right. I got lost so often in this game. Yeah, and this one specifically, definitely. Um, the other thing that it does that's kind of novel um, is the Metroidvania kind of side of it, mm-hmm. which is traversal abilities. Yeah. Um, so you can you can get the Vertigo brand, which lets you um, activate like special obelisks around, um, which will essentially switch uh, like flip gravity mm-hmm. for. A, limited amount of time or not time but like there's a zone within an area yeah yeah. until you pass the point that makes you flip back again right um there is the shadow flip brand uh which lets you wall jump yes that's right um there is the red shift brand which lets you pass through red barriers if you're holding your torch okay (laughs) um there's the dark brand uh which is like a mid-air dash okay um, and then there is the hard light brand, which um, I don't know if you s- ever came to areas where there were like foggy platforms. Did I? I don't think so. Okay. Oh, I don't think so. Maybe not. They show up, and, okay. and the, the hard light <laughs> brand uh, makes it so they solidify if huh. you have your torch out. Okay. Uh, which I, I appreciate that they included that Metroidvania aspect. I do kind of I, I have a preference and I'm I'm trying to think ahead really quick to see if there's any <laughs> any things that this doesn't match up with. But I wanna say, let in, in Super Metroid in Castlevania Symphony of the Night, 
in both cases, when you found abilities that opened up new ways forward, mm -hmm. they didn't just do that. Yeah. They also gave you some sort of mobility that helped in combat or a new weapon or more defense or sure. like they gave they, they had a secondary gameplay. So I will say I, I never picked it up, but I know that the midair dash is really good that for like it. combat or specifically boss fights. Right. And like wall jump, that's pretty okay. Yeah. Uh but you're never using it in a situation where like you're fighting something. Yeah, we're like, oh, these guys are so much easier because now I can wall jump. Right. Like, that's never going to happen. Or even the, the upside down gravity thing. Yeah. Like, in that, fact, that just makes things harder. Yeah. <laughs> and same thing where with the, like, you have to have your torch out to activate this. Yeah. Actually just makes things harder, too. Yeah. And that doesn't, you can't, does it give you any combat? Like, when you're redshifted, no. do you take half damage or no. something? Like, you know, no. So that's, You're I just feel like, holding the torch. Right? In that case, they might as well just give you the gold key. Yeah. Because it doesn't mean anything. Right. It's just a key to a gate. Yeah. Like the, uh, what is it, the blue cube or whatever that unlocks, uh, or magic pendant that yeah. unlocks magic doors. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's essentially the, it's the just same a key. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I do, I do have a strong preference for games that give you those dual-use yeah. keys. Yeah. That like not only does it get you to a new area, but it also helps you in these cases. Yeah, I would definitely say. I mean, I know that they are exemplars of the genre, but like Super Metroid is obviously like stronger missiles, not only open doors, but kill different enemies. Yeah, can be used in combat. Same thing with like the Super Bomb. Right. Um, the whole like all the charge beam super bomb interaction stuff right. is crazy. I or that or like the the running and super jump or super mm -hmm. run, um, and then like Symphony of the Night, um, you know you've got double jump which also gives you the jump kick. Right. Um, you've got mist and bats. Yeah, all of the animal abilities. The only one that I would say is probably purely traversal in that game is the super jump, but. Yeah, although even that, you can get out of combat situations yeah. and jump, especially like giant bosses, yeah. you know, like, it's just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's better, I think. Uh -huh. And this game missed an opportunity to be a little more consistent with that. Yeah, it and, and again, like, I don't, I don't think this game really works as well as a Metroidvania because there isn't, the game is mostly linear. Yeah. Like, there will be times where you come across things that you don't think are things. So, like, with the um, with the Vertigo one, mm -hmm. like, you obviously find those obelisks, like, in the beginning of the game, and you're like, oh, this is weird. Yeah, this seems And important. then you, like, you know, know how to use them, and that's cool. Yeah. But it's mostly, except for the one area where it's specifically for moving ahead. Yeah. Like, it's mostly just getting extra stuff. Yeah. Which is fine. Which is fine. But, yes, yeah. <laughs> and then, like, same thing with actually pretty much everything else. Yeah. Is, like, it's really just for linear progression. Yeah. There's there's not, like... I mean, I know that there are, like, secret areas and optional stages mm -hmm. in it, but I don't know. Yeah. It does... It it keeps to the Dark Souls uh, tradition of unlocking shortcuts back to areas yes. it's in, which I actually really appreciate. Yeah. That they do that and that they link those abilities into that sometimes. Yeah. Like, that's a nice new niche for that to fill. And they're very, like, it's very well done, too. Yeah. Like, they're oftentimes, 
you know, in the beginning of a level, you'll come across a locked door or, right. like, an elevator that, that, that isn't activated. Yeah. And then, like, halfway through, loop back around and be like, oh, this is nice. Right. And, and that especially plays into the idea of, like, progress isn't just, like, making it through a stage. Like, progress is, oh, I unlocked this shortcut, which will take me directly back to the area that I just was, so yeah. I can go back to the sanctuary, right. unload whatever I need to, and then I don't have to go through all yeah. of this stuff all over again. Right. The weird thing about it is, though, is there's, like, shortcuts from specific stages to other specific stages in a way that makes me think that maybe they either didn't think fast travel was going to be a thing for the game, or they planned a game initially that was more focused around backtracking. Yeah. Because there's almost no reason to ever backtrack. But right. there's definitely lots of ways to get back to previous stages. Yeah. I think, I, I feel like that's another instance where they saw that being used in Dark Souls, but they didn't quite, like, so they knew that they should do it too. Yeah. They didn't really make it mean the same thing yeah. that it meant in those games. Or that it would mean for a metroidvania mashup right yeah yeah because even like you know symphony of the night has areas that connect back around to previous stages mm -hmm. and stuff but not not a lot right and mostly it's just to get like items that you saw before right and symphony of the night gives you a teleport system yeah that's free and easy to use yeah <laughs> I mean, it's it's not bad. I don't dislike it. It's just not interesting to me. Yeah. I don't know. It it reminds me of like like um well, like we said, like you know, like early two thousands flash animation, like goth emo scene, like edgy, like it's culture. trying to it's trying too hard, kind of. Yeah. Which I I think I have a degree of fondness for. Like actually the graphics the like, graphics and the music were maybe the part that were the least objectionable to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is it's in the same style as their dishwasher game right. and like like they're they're definitely sort of following that. Um, which I don't know. I th that part didn't bother me as much. Kinda like the whole game could have been like sponsored by Hot Topic. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, I don't know, it's just nothing, it's not a, like, a visual aesthetic that I ever was really into. Yeah, that's fair. So, um, and on top of that, um, I think the game visually, um, suffers from having really, um, distinctive looking areas. There are, like, maybe two, well, let's see, like, four, we'll say, different biomes in the mm -hmm. game. There's... In a castle. Yeah. There's in a forest. Uh-huh. In a cave. Yep. And on a beach. 
Yeah. And that's pretty much that's everything. Pretty much cover what I said. And and like <laughs> there are some ways that are they're visually distinct, but generally speaking, in a castle is bloody and gross. Mm-hmm. In a cave is blue and dark. And dark. In a forest is green mm-hmm. and gray. Yeah. <laughs> On a beach is beachy, yeah. you know. I mean, like, that sounds stupid, but there are so many different stages that fit into those various categories Mm -hmm. that they stop becoming distinct after a while. Yes, it ends up being bland. So, like, the difference between the red cages and the festering banquet. Uh Uh-huh. Not that much. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. Um, And the, you know, the cave, the forest levels are the same way, like... Yeah. There's the forest where there are people that shoot poison arrows at you, and then there's the forest where there's flying ants. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And especially in in games like this where you are in, like, you're under so much threat all the time that if you make a wrong turn, you're taking a huge risk. Right. Like, you end up fighting guys that you didn't have to fight, which means you might die, which might mean you have to go back and do it again. So like you're you're it's not a good thing to get lost in this game. Yeah. To an even again, like we keep saying, like it's it's just it's higher consequences if you do. Other games it might be a little bit more forgivable if you could move faster and sort yeah. of it it wouldn't matter that much, but And I mean like I know like this is a bigger game and you know, you're working with more stages, so it's hard maybe to make each one specifically diverse but like metroid did this better yes like nes metroid yeah no totally because there's like what there's blue land there's (laughs) gold land right there's like green land yeah and and that's it and you know every time you've left one area and gone into another area right because everything's a different color yeah like that's so easy and basic yeah and like the the bits I mean, Metroid had multiple rooms that were exactly the same sure. due to like constraints of the medium, and it's still a little more navigable than yeah. this is sometimes. And even you know, even taking a step away from that and looking at maybe like Super Metroid, yeah, it still does the same stuff oh, with yeah. color palettes, like yeah. and music and enemy choices, yeah. and like all sorts of things, really. Yeah, um, and this game just ends up looking really samey a lot of times. Yeah. Also, there's just, like, a general, like, I don't know, somebody applied fog.jpg <laughs> over every stage. Right. right. It just also, like, adds to, like, it would be one thing if there was a specific stage that was foggy. That that could be, like, a standout right. environmental thing that you could look at and be like, oh, I'm in Fogland. Yeah. Uh, but since it's just kind of everywhere... Yeah. It also sort of lends to the sameness of all the stages. Yeah. Uh, it, it does get a few bonus points from me for changing your character's actual appearance when you yeah, put things. Yeah, definitely. That's cool. Although I do wish that when you upgraded those things, they looked different. Yeah, that would be neat. Because your plus one axe looks exactly the same <laughs> as your plus ten axe. Yeah. That's kind of a shame. That is a shame. And I think on the whole, actually, enemy design is pretty good. Yeah. Like... They, I mean, the, their design communicates what to expect from them, which yes. I appreciate. That's yeah, good definitely. design. The uh, the design of the different 
uh, the the way that the sanctuaries change to yeah. show what uh, creed they're a part of. Like that part's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Uh, and even though the interface doesn't present as much information as I wish it would, the sort of like set dressing of the UI elements looks pretty the, okay. Like, like it's, wispy yeah. sort of like borders and stuff. Yeah, all the little bits and pieces and the buttons and the text uh-huh. and like that stuff is all pretty well laid yeah, out. Definitely, I agree. Uh, what about audio? Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I know. This, I don't know. I mean, like, so the, there's, like, maybe generously four songs in the game. Yeah. Five, maybe? There's a, I looked at the, there's actually, like, there's like less than a dozen, I think. Okay. Yeah. So there's the menu music, there's the sanctuary music. Yes. There's like the ambient game f- or music for like all of the game, it feels like. Yeah. And then there's the one boss battle theme. Uh huh. And then there's the last boss battle theme. Okay. And maybe like ending credit music. Yeah. There's not a lot of variety there. And I mean, you know, full credit, they did do the music themselves. Sure. And it, it is hard to do everything yourself and do it yeah, well. definitely. Like, like, that's... Being able to get other people in who are good at the thing that is not your specialty is something that bigger publishers can afford to do a lot easier. Yeah, easy definitely. So, you know, that's fine. Uh, but it doesn't really have... It doesn't... It doesn't hit, like, the high marks that some of its DNA is made up of. Like, right. It, it sounds more like Souls kind of music yeah. than it does like Metroidvania. Like there isn't, there aren't really like hummable themes. Sure. I did notice that like there is a little bit of a theme that goes throughout. Oh, is there? Yeah. Like I, like kind of the, the key that it's in and like the one particular sustained note mm. that tends to show up in a few different pieces. So, like, I, I don't know. It's, it's just not as, like, masterfully crafted uh, as, as I would have liked. And, yeah, it definitely led to me eventually turning off the music so I could listen to my own music. Yeah. Um, I think sound effects-wise, the sound effects were good. Yeah. I didn't notice um, anything that I was mad about. And, like, there's no, like, moist dialogue in the no. game. Which is for the best. Right. <laughs> um... But yeah, I don't know. Even like the the boss battle music is just like grungy guitar. Yeah. With like choral stuff, maybe. Yeah, They're, which they do a lot. They do a lot of like vocal, like not a real choir, but like an obviously pitched uh-huh. like choral sample and like heavy electric guitar, which again I think feels the same way that you're describing the graphics yeah. where like they're 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 hitting that that like genre so hard that there's no like there's no nuance or whatever like, right it feels like they're just playing it straight without doing anything interesting yeah and and you know like i'm i'll, I'll be honest i'm not a huge fan of dark souls music either yeah but i mean at least you can say each individual boss has a unique battle theme mm-hmm. and in those themes there are some good songs yeah and like i think actually the one thing that this game really nails with the audio is the um sanctuary theme yeah me too that's I think that's exactly the... what it needs to be 
Yeah, if the rest of the music was that appropriate for where it plays and that well crafted, then I think it, it would be the music would be a high note yeah. instead of just being okay. Right. Yeah, that that's that's incredibly like spot on for what you know your bonfire music or your like safe room. Music yeah, should be. yeah, like suddenly you get to take a break. Right, you're safe here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I just it's I don't know, it's forgettable. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like I'm I might listen. The game made me so mad that I might almost be more likely to listen to the music outside the game than actually <laughs> play the game at this point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was, definitely definitely wasn't bad. Uh-huh. Uh, it just sort of missed a chance to be outstanding, I guess. And and again, like that could have been an opportunity to use music to differentiate stages. You yeah. know, yeah. If each level had a specific level theme, then at least when you moved into a different one or accidentally like crossed back into a previous one, yeah. you would know because the music would change. Right. And admittedly, like the back half of Symphony of the Night is pretty much all of that like uh, outer wall theme, which uh-huh. is unfortunate. Yeah. But <laughs> up until that point, you know, each area yeah. is uh, or even like, you know, Metroid. Metroid does a great job of that. Yeah. So I just want to point out for the record that what we've just said covered the first page and <laughs> half of my notes. I still have two and a half oh, pages of what should be written in all capitals because of how mad it makes me. That's funny because mine was mostly spent on uh, the mechanics of the game. Yeah, <laughs> I'm probably going to talk about circle back and uh-huh. about how. Yeah. Uh, okay. So the evaluation we would call this good, the bad, the ugly. <sighs> Ugly. I'm saying ugly too. Yeah. <laughs> and the reason I think this is worth clarifying is that it's not just a bad game. Yeah. It is a game that showed a lot of promise and then didn't deliver on it. So it's a yeah. disappointment. It's not that it's, you know, it's not. I can't even think of another example of something that would be. It's not Castlevania. What was the Castlevania game that we didn't manage to? Oh, God. Uh, Curse of Darkness? Yeah. Curse of. Combat cross? Yes. That was actually a bad game. <laughs> yeah. This is this is an ugly game. Yeah. <laughs> uh my my like main point about it, which is not necessarily completely Salt and Sanctuary's fault, uh-huh. but Hollow Knight came out two years afterwards, and it is everything that <laughs> Metroidvania Souls like mashup should be. Yes. So I think it, it, it we can't help avoid mentioning that it really hurts it yeah. to look at that comparison. And I think the magic formula there that works that doesn't work here is more Metroidvania and I less agree. Souls. Yes. Um, where this game is definitely heavy on the Souls, almost to like its own detriment. Definitely to its and, own detriment. And very, very light on the Metroidvania. Yeah. 
Yeah, that the, the, the parts that it chose to focus on for the soul's elements of it were the parts that conflict with what makes Metroidvania yeah. fun, which ended up making it not a good Metroidvania game. Right. So first off, that, that qualification is out. And then there are a lot of those soul's elements that really upset me personally <laughs> and maybe don't bother you as much, but yeah. still, like... It, it was missing some of the key parts that make Souls-like games good. Right. So in the end, you end up with like not not really an outstanding point in either direction. Yeah, it feels like it's a game that sort of got lost in the minutia. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like making sure you had things that were like a one-to-one replication yeah. of a Souls-like game instead of looking at what are the what's the intention of this mechanic or right, right. what's the idea behind this, you know, storytelling device. Yeah. Um, and that direct translation doesn't work no. for whatever reason. It doesn't. Well, I mean, it, it, it almost never works to, to sort of dogmatically reproduce something. Yeah. Because, or, or the only time it can work is if you get lucky. Yeah. You can never make it work intentionally because you don't understand it. Right. And... Again, like, I don't want to be too mean. Like, this is really just, like, a two-people team. Right. And it is, like, I think maybe that is, like, the main criticism that ultimately I'm leveling against this is that it's amateurish. Like, it's not, it doesn't really have the... Polish. Yeah, the polish, the wisdom of experience, the deeper understanding of the elements of the game, the willingness to take the genre that you're shooting for and be critical about it Mm -hmm. in a way that makes something new and interesting. Yeah. And all of that stuff is not, like, all that stuff comes over time. Right. So it's not like, you know, like, I, it doesn't make me, it doesn't make me less likely to play their next game. Uh Uh-huh. Because I, hopefully the next game is better. Yeah, It's more refined. Uh, so, like, maybe this is, like, a stepping stone. (laughs) Yeah, well, and it's also good to remember that I think this was the, like, first Souls-like, or, like, game to come out in sort of the resurgent, like, mainstream popularity (laughs) of Dark Souls, you know? It was the first one that I really remember, uh, being talked about in games media. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, there's, there is a price you pay for being sort of the first out the gate. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's see. Well, did I write anything interesting about this? We've talked a lot about it not, not giving you the information that you need mm-hmm. to make decisions when it counts. It, it always asks you to make uninformed decisions. Right. And then it punishes you for making uninformed decisions yeah uh it wants you to press forward but then it sort of penalizes you for turning back and it penalizes you for pressing forward like you can't get out of this game treating you poorly other than maybe completely reading the wiki ahead of time and then developing your entire strategy whole cloth Right. And then executing it. Yeah. And even if you had all that stuff planned out, it would still be frustrating in right. a bunch of very key ways, which would have been avoidable yeah. with sort of like a better executed game. Yeah. I like the bestiary. Yeah. I always like bestiaries. I think every game that ever <laughs> wants you to make an informed 
decision about how you fight an enemy should give you a bestiary. Yeah. Um, I don't really like sticking it aside. Yeah. And like like having a, a sipopedia, you know, that you have to right. go out of the game to refer yeah. to, even though it's in game. Right. Uh, because at that point, I might as well just be looking at a wiki. Yeah. Like I, <laughs> I I would really rather they found some way to present that information to you in a way that was less obtuse, I guess. Yeah. Okay. But, yes, I do I do appreciate that they give you that and that there's little bits of flavor text right. here there and, like, all that stuff. Um, it'll give you uh, drops if, mm-hmm. you know, if they've dropped things for you before, which is nice. Um, the big thing that it's missing, I think, is weaknesses. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, like with bosses, unfortunately, it wouldn't be useful Except for your second time through, but yeah. Like except at least that it's all. I mean, I mean, I don't know. I felt like there's some bosses I wouldn't have been able to get through if I hadn't sort of done the elemental weakness right. way. But, but if you didn't have you didn't have that information ahead of time, no. right? No. Um, so how could you? <laughs> so like, in, like specifically, if it listed elemental weaknesses on the bestiary, that would only be useful for second time through bosses. Yeah. But. Um, Again, Hollow Knight did it better. <laughs> Hollow Knight, the more you fought an enemy, the more information it would unlock about yeah. it. And it would actually give you material rewards from that one guy. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's true. One thing that keeps coming up to me too with this is that a lot of these problems are problems that I feel like have already been solved. Yes. And that's why I don't want to cut this game too much slack because like <laughs> right. I learned, I remember the first Ultima game that we played on the Nintendo. Mm-hmm. If you picked the wrong class and race combination in the beginning, you had like a stunted character that would yeah. actually maybe not even work in the end. There's whole classes that are just strictly worse yeah, than other that. classes. And, like, <laughs> this game didn't learn that lesson. No. Which is silly. Because um, <laughs> the lesson's out there. Like, it's not a mystery. Right. And, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, there, there's no excuse. I, I don't know. Maybe you should never be able to dead-end a character. No. That, that's not okay. No. If, if that happens... You shouldn't either. You shouldn't be able to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think this game is like one of the balances against making uninformed decisions is being able to reverse them later. Yes. So, for instance, if there wasn't a penalty for switching creeds, mm-hmm. or there was a way to respec. Yes. That would be one thing. You know, you could say. I accidentally put all my points into pole arms, and I hate pole arms. Right. You're out of luck. Yeah. But if there was a re- like an actual respect system, like, not a bullshit. Like <laughs> you can find extremely rare right. items that will take one point out of your skill. Yeah. There, <laughs> I think I wrote it down, but there are like 24 gray pearls in the whole game. That's such bullshit. <laughs> in in a game where the level cap, so if you're completely maxed out on the skill tree is like 534. Oh my god. <laughs> You're only allowed to make 24 mistakes. Oh my god. So like 
contrasted with like there isn't a respect in Dark Souls. Yeah. In Dark Souls two, there's actually infinite respects. Yeah. You can farm if you want, but they're I mean they're pretty generous with the item yeah. that they give you. And in three, you can do it like six times. Hmm. But even six times should be it's enough a pretty good number for a single run yeah. through the game. Yeah. Uh, and stuff like we're, I'm going to keep saying Hollow Knight. Uh, you can change everything about your character whenever you want. Well, but the nice thing at, about at save points, right? The nice thing about Hollow Knight is it's not tied to stats. Yeah, it's all module. It's all equipment. Right. So Which that I like better. yeah, that's that's kind of a nice more modular system. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is. It is straight up bullshit. <laughs> That you don't get to save immediately after a boss. Yeah. Uh, that's unforgivable, as far as I'm concerned. Like, there is just no way that you can, that you can make a game and and like play it and then think like, yeah, that's a good idea. I just I just spent you know, who knows how many times and how many hours trying to get through this boss and uh-huh. did it. This game is not too great about it. Um, I, I think it's still trying to sort of ride the throttle on that, like, should I push my luck or should I play it safe? Well, but, but again, there's no reason to push your luck. Right. You get punished if you do. Right. <laughs> and it's a hassle if you turn back. Yeah. You're damned either way. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think what an ideal situation would be is, what if killing bosses spawned sanctuary? Gives you a sanctuary, yeah. The right. boss was guarding an That's, empty sanctuary. Yeah, but, uh, Bloodborne... I think, and Dark Souls 3 both Give you work that way yeah. uh, right at, <laughs> at the end of a boss. Right? Yeah. Problem that was, solved. Uh, yeah, right? <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> well, that one was easy. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, like, you know, having shortcuts back to a sanctuary, which I guess would also work, but... That would totally work, yeah. If, if yeah, when you beat a boss, you get, you get the boss, you get the item that you get from the boss, right. and then the next thing that you see is a shortcut that leads directly <laughs> to the sanctuary for yeah. that area. Yeah. They didn't do that. No. <laughs> um, fighting a boss means that you're going to lose all the salt that you're carrying. True. Uh, because, unlike Dark Souls, when you drop your souls... They don't stay on the ground. They get absorbed into the enemy that killed them. Right. It takes the bloodborne. Including the boss. Right, on that one. And I noticed partway through that actually there's like a a threshold of damage you can do to get your souls back. Uh, But that's also, that's not, you can't leave the boss arena once you start fighting him, right? Uh, I mean, there's like a teleport item, but. It's not good enough. Uh, uh, the, it's still bullshit. <laughs> there's a, the Bell of Recall, I think, brings you back to yeah. the last sanctuary you slept at. Right. Uh, taking taking brands that give you special abilities, mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't tell you what the ability does. Not usually, no. Right? And, okay, so... I think you can go into, like, a key item menu and yeah. look at it, but... But, like, in, in sort of a weird... Again, in opposition to its Metroidvania roots, uh, it's not when, when you get an item that lets you progress. It's not obvious what you use that item for to progress. Yeah, not often. Um, it could be more obvious. Well, I mean, the classic and easiest way to do that is put you 
you have to go into a room mm-hmm. to get the item that you can't get out of unless you have the item. Right. You know, that's yeah. like boilerplate. I don't think I don't think that's a bad idea. No. Like that's a that's a very accepted approach <laughs> to doing that. Like okay, so after you fight the the zombie dragon uh-huh. and you get the wall jump ability from the thief. Yeah. You have to talk to them twice. Mm-hmm. On the second time, they give you the brand. Yes, that's true. So it's entirely possible you could miss it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, the, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> that you get as a reward for fighting your way to the top of the castle. Uh huh. You could miss. Yeah. Especially given that the game, like we talked about, has already kind of trained you to just blow through dialogue because it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's true. Uh Huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's rough. There's a there's like the little the little uh, guy that's up that's been like crucified or hung, strung up on something yeah. in the the village that you find. Uh-huh. You talk to him the first time and he says like uh, what was he even asked? Do you want to join his cult or like he wants something from you? Yeah. Uh, and then if you if you're like oh I don't really know what that means I'm gonna go save first he disappears. Yeah. And it's like I don't even know what would have happened there and now I'll never know. Like, again, yeah, like, there's true. just no chance for me to make any sort of choice about it. Yeah. It's just, like, a thing that happens and then whatever. Spoiler I, alert, that's the last boss. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> what What's the next thing we complain about? Falling off of elevators? <laughs> Complete bullshit. <laughs> they're just, like, they're just supposed to be, like, a useful shortcut from yeah. one way to another, uh-huh. and they can kill you. Yeah. Uh, the map? <laughs> Oh, God, this game needs a map so bad. Right? I was... Like, maybe the most important thing out of Metroidvania. <laughs> right? I was barely willing to tolerate Hollow Knight's map situation. And that like that was basically only because it was such a good game in so many other ways that I could kind of excuse the terrible map situation. Yeah. And there's just no excuse for this game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um... So, so my, my, my final list of deadly sins that I came up with for this game yeah. are that it hides information, mm-hmm. it keeps you in a state of high risk so that you're discouraged from exploring and experimenting, mm-hmm. it rewards you for difficult feats and then takes away the rewards, yeah. and it punishes you for making uninformed decisions while refusing to inform you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think... That like that's that point is just the like the ideological friction that I have with this this game in particular, but also the genre a little bit, is that if you are going to punish someone for being ignorant, you have to be willing to educate them. Yeah. Because you can't you can't dislike the thing if you're not gonna do anything about the thing. Yeah. And I feel like that's all I get from this game. Mm. Is like it like smacking me for not knowing <laughs> things, but at the same time never telling me things. Yeah. Which is unreasonable. It's not fair. Right. And it really wears on me really quickly. <laughs> um, so I'm curious. We didn't really like the NPCs in this game. Yeah. How did you feel about the NPCs in Hollow Knight? And how do you think they're different? Ooh. The, that's a good question. They're definitely laid out in a similar way. Right. Like you happen across them. They have a little bit more character I in think Hollow so Knight. too. Everything has a little bit more yeah. character in Hollow Knight. It's a really cute game. Uh, they have voices, which mm. helps to yeah. 
characterize them a little bit. It helps with their personality. And in fact, they, they have audio cues that you usually hear before you see them. That's true. You can hear them like humming to themselves or sharpening their sword or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, and you're kind of happy to see them pop up in kind of the same way that you are in Dark Souls, actually. Like, oh, like, this is a nice little break right. from everything. Yeah. Um, that this game didn't really provide as much. Because it definitely, I mean, like, it definitely presents story in almost the exact same way. Yeah. Although, again, like, in Hollow Knight, unlike this game, but more like Dark Souls, you're presented with a goal. Right. And pushed towards that goal throughout the whole game. And the only, like, friction that you find in Hollow Knight is Hornet. And really, you don't even know if they're good or bad, yeah. they're just opposed to you. I kind of got the, like, like right off the bat in Hollow Knight, I kind of felt like I knew what the player's place was in sure. the world. You know, like, you are, you are like, an itinerant, you wander into this world, but it's clear that you kind of belong there, and you see things that look like you, Yeah, and you're curious about how you work with all that, and even with her opposing you, the way that she was characterized makes it, made it pretty clear to me that she wasn't a bad guy. Uh-huh. Like, this is a misunderstanding. You'll probably work it out mm-hmm. eventually, you know, once one of you impresses the other enough right. or whatever. Like, yeah. Hmm. Um, I think that in Hollow Knight, a hub is mm-hmm. really important for that characterization. Yeah, and that's, that's something true. that's something that they do in Dark Souls really mm-hmm. well. Um, yeah. Because in Salt and Sanctuary you make little miniature hubs with each sanctuary, but what those are lacking are actual interesting characters. Right. All of the NPCs that you can summon in aren't like, I don't know, important people or right. people that you've met. They're all generic throwaway right. stand-ins. Right. They're basically not characters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're just storefronts. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, like in Hollow Knight, you know, the guy that you can buy items from also has, like, a side quest associated. The centipede, I think yeah. it is, has a side quest associated with him. The map people have a side quest I associated them. with them. <laughs> um, the, the grub that sells you uh, uh, badges that's, like, a couple floors down, yeah. she has a whole side quest associated with her right. the grub father yeah. who you literally just like bring babies to has right. a whole side quest yeah. associated with him yeah so. and like a progression and like more reveal about their characters you right. go on the, the things that you end up doing in the game impact those interactions that you have yeah all that seems like it's pretty missing from this game and I think a lot of that comes from not having a central area that you come back to I think that's a very fair point you know, because, like, the, in, in Souls, kind of the thing to do is you progress, you know, you find whoever you find, they'll go back to your hub, mm-hmm. and then every time you beat a boss, you come back home, and you yeah. kind of check in on everyone. Right. Like, do you have new dialogue? Do you have new items? Yeah, that's Like, true. what can I trade you? Yeah, oh, I found this key item. This right. upgrades your thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't... That and that sort of builds that like emotional connection with those people as characters. Yeah. So if things do happen to them, like you're like, oh my god, you know, 
the, what happened? Yeah. You know, this NPC is happened. like dead forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and even the couple of people that you, like, I think my favorite, um, one of my favorite NPCs in Hollow Knight is the miner. Uh-huh. That you, that like, when you first find them, they're just, like, singing happily. Yeah. And they go, like, crazier and crazier until they, like, try and kill you. Yeah, they turn into a And it's so sad. Time. Yeah. But, like, the amount of times that you have to pass through that area, which is not that many, um, is enough for you to get the sense of that mm-hmm. person and character. You know, by the time that they transform, it is, it's unfortunate, yeah. like... That was a nice singing bug, and now I have to kill them. Right. Yeah, and it's, it does a good job of... We, we can't just talk about... We're not okay. having a holiday episode. This is a secret <laughs> holiday podcast. Uh, maybe we'll double back and do a holiday review at some point, because yeah. clearly we can talk about it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Do you have any other, any other specific gripes we want to cover? I don't think so. Okay. Uh... Skip the story for the gameplay, or skip the gameplay for the story? Well, skip the story for the gameplay, I guess. Yeah. I mean... That's... It's, it's yeah. lesser of two evils yeah. in this case. <laughs> but that, I, that's kind of the... I think the sort of double whammy here is that in a game where the story isn't strong, mm-hmm. for me, it's permissible if the mechanics prop it up. Yeah. That's not happening here. Right. And vice versa is true. I, I will push myself through a bad game if yeah. I'm really engaged in the story. Right. But that's not happening. No. <laughs> Without either of those things, what are you even doing here? Right. <laughs> uh, name of the game is obviously Salt and Sanctuary, which I actually think is a great name. Yeah, like it's a good name. name. It, and it tells you exactly what the game is about. That's right. Salt and then Get also the salt Sanctuary. Get to the Sanctuary. Right. Uh, would you recommend it? No, I don't. I mean, maybe, maybe if you were like one of those people, and I know that they're out there, so no, no shade, uh, that (laughs) like played Dark Souls and now Dark Souls is all you can play. Yes. This has become (laughs) the only type of game that you can ever play for the rest of your life. Everything else is for scrubs. (laughs) (laughs) Then at least this game is so inherent to Dark Souls that you'll probably enjoy it. Yes. You'll definitely really enjoy some aspects of it. Uh, Other than that, for normal people, I don't think so. I don't think there's a reason to. I don't think so either. Yeah, I mean, like, definitely play Dark Souls, not this game, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, if you like the ca- combat in this game, play Dead Cells. Yeah, oh, definitely Which has play similar combat, but is so much better. Yeah, and with, with, a, with a side order of, like, roguelike stuff built yeah. mixed in, which is pretty great. Right. The, I, yeah, I think what it comes down to is there are other games that do the things that this game does better because they're more refined Mm -hmm. and more focused yeah all right (laughs) we made it yes uh so please please remember (laughs) to do all the things you should like you should subscribe you should favorite you Uh should share, share turn on notifications yes uh there's probably other things uh tell your friends uh Uh, we're we're on uh, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash games these days podcast uh, we're at uh, at Tumblr at games these days 
podcast.tumblr.com. We're on iTunes. Uh, we're on CastBox. And we're on Spotify. Yes. That's but it. until next, next time, brother! Yay. Boy. <laughs> I felt like a... was that? Two hours. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Okay, okay. well. Investigate some pizza? Yeah.